Jesus Revolution. Um, we went with Scott and Gail Rank the other day. See it, man. That thing is worth seeing. I was I was moved. Uh, you know, one of the things in there when you feel like God is just not using you, you're too little. You don't have the resources. You don't know what to do. You're actually afraid of what might happen if you lose control. And we know the Holy Spirit's not one to stick under our thumb. And yet, this is where the guy was that God would use to play a significant role in revival. God turned it all upside down. And so, you know what? He can do that with us. We may think, well, I'm not much. But if we belong to God, it's more than enough. So anyway, we need to read our scripture here. Um, it is Romans chapter 8, one of my favorite chapters. I, I'm going to read verses 12 through 17, if you'll stand in God's honor. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you'll live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you a slave again to fear, but rather the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are God's children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Let's pray. Lord, there's a lot here. <laughs> what does it mean to walk with the living God? What does it mean when we meet Jesus? What comes next? And Lord, we want to look at that today. And Father, just speak to us. You already have through well, other parts of the service. And I'm so grateful for that, Lord. You work through all of us. You just ask us to bow the knee. So, uh, Lord, help us bow the knee. Speak. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, all right, guys. We're going to start. Um, I'm going to go through these things real quick. And the first point here is position. We need to know what position we have in relation to the living God. A couple of things to point out. Verses, verse 14 we're called sons of God. In verse 15, there's a reference to adoption. In verse 16, the phrase is used, children of God. And all of this applies to those of us who have been born anew in Jesus Christ. We're different. We're changed. The Bible says that we are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. In Isaiah 59, the chapter starts out. It says, surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save. Nor is his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you, so he will not hear you. But see, that all changes when you meet Jesus. That is where we start, but when we have that encounter with Christ, and we bow the knee, <laughs> he changes us. He gives us direct access to him. Sons of God, children of God, and it comes through His holy adoption. That's why in John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Yet to all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. 
Man, we are adopted children through Jesus if we have trusted Him and if we know Him. A lot of times in this world, people say, well, we're all children of God. Every one of us are children of God. It doesn't matter what you believe. God loves everybody. Listen, in a sense, that is true. In a sense, it's very true that God created us in His image and every human being matters. Every human being is sacred. Every human being has purpose. But redemptively, there is a divide. And Jesus speaks about it in John chapter 8. The high and haughty religious folk spoke to Jesus. And they said, hey, we're, we're sons of Abraham. We have it. Not like you do. Basically, that's a Todd translation, okay? <laughs> and then Jesus said some very powerful words. It may be true, but you are not the sons of the Heavenly Father. Matter of fact, he used some harsh language. He said, you are sons of the devil. We looked last week at a scripture that says that we are objects of wrath or we are deserving of wrath. And boy, that, that's some tough stuff. But basically what it says is we are broken. We have transgressed. We have sinned against God. We are messed up and we need to be healed. We need to be made whole. We, we need Jesus Christ, the Savior, to change us. To make us new. That's what the scripture so beautifully tells us. And so we need to be adopted into his family. It's interesting here. Um, five times in the New Testament, this term adoption is used. In this case, we're in the book of Romans. So often when we're in the Bible and we think of the term adoption, we think of the Jewish adoption. But the Roman adoption was different. In the Roman adoption... There would be someone who is looking for someone to inherit what belongs to the head of the family. And they are able to look outside of their family and bring someone new into the family. And when that person is adopted, he is not held to the standard of the person he used to be out of the family he came from. He is now part of a new family. He now has the full inheritance of the family that he has now entered. He becomes an heir of that family, a co-heir of that family. Through that adoption, he now has what belongs to that family. And the Scripture tells us that we have inherited God's grace, His forgiveness. His kingdom, His glory. And guys, my back is sore, so I have to be careful. I get too excited, I might end up on the floor. So, not to, anyway, I, I need to go on. <laughs> um, there was a teacher in a first grade class that was talking about adoption. And um, she said, I want to make sure that if any of you children have been adopted, that you feel welcome here, that you feel a part of the family here in this class. And this one little girl, she said, well, I am adopted. And this is how my mom explained adoption to me. She said, when a child grows in your heart instead of in your tummy. I like that. Do you know what? Man, that's the gospel. Do you know what? We didn't grow in God's tummy. 
but we grew in His heart. That is why Jesus came, because He saw where we were. And He came, and He was our sacrifice, and He made it possible for us to be part of the family. This, this is from Ephesians 1, verse 4. It says, For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will. Man, that's the promise to us when we come to Christ. And, and I love this from Spurgeon. Man, I understand what he's saying here. He said, It's a good thing God chose me before I was born. He probably never would have picked me after I was born. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for choosing us. Verse 15, You did not receive the Spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the Spirit of sonship by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. God was considered so holy in the day of Christ that they would refer to Him as the name. He was too holy even to be specific about that name. So they had to take a step back and they said the name. And yet Jesus, over and over again in the Scriptures, 70 times in the Gospels, He said, Father. What was He saying? God is not some distant deity. He has come near. And I love it because like in this text, it doesn't just say Father. It says Abba. And Abba means dear Daddy. Man, he, he's, he's the dear daddy that's watching you and waiting for you to run and jump on his lap and get a hug. And to know you're loved. That is the adoption that occurs. That is our position. Secondly, is our progress. Look at verse 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. There is this battle that occurs in each of us. You know, like, like the old cartoon where you have the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other and they're fighting back and forth. Well, there is this battle within us. Are we going to listen to the Spirit of God and obey Him? Or are we going to listen to this world, the devil, and our own flesh or sinful nature? And so this battle goes back and forth. And through Jesus Christ, through the Spirit of God, through bowing the knee, we can break old patterns that have controlled our lives that have brought misery to us and have robbed us of opportunities that our wonderful Creator wants us to have, guys. And when we are tuned in to Christ, when we come to Him and we've trusted Him, and when we are making progress, what we do is we catch sight of the fact we are loved. And we can say no to the flesh and yes to Christ and just learn how much He loves us and how He cares for us. Now, let me make a point here. Some teach that when you come to Christ, you can be sinless. I say... <laughs> I didn't spit on myself. I heard John MacArthur say one time, and I love this. He said, when we are following Christ, we don't become sinless, but we sin less and less. This is the progress. Not that you won't fall, but you're growing to learn about the one who loves you fully. And you were able to walk with Him more often. Able to get a closer view of Him than once you did. 
Someone has uh, once said that a Christian is a man who feels repentance on Sunday for what he did on Saturday and is going to do again on Monday. Man, that's not the definition of a Christian. That's the definition of a defeated Christian. In church, God doesn't want us to walk in defeat. It doesn't mean at times we don't feel defeated. But that is not who we are. We are victors in Jesus Christ. We have victory over the world through our faith, it says in 1 John 5, 4. You see, at the moment that we trust Jesus Christ and His perfect sacrifice that was on an old rugged cross, at that moment, we are declared righteous. The Father looks at us and He sees the Son. Man, I always loved that. Colossians 3, 3 says, For now you die and your life is now hidden within Christ and God. And I love that because I think, Man, I am such a knothead. How can he forgive me for this? How can he forgive me for that? And the father saying, well, I see down there's Jesus. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 verse 1. Man, that's where we are. That's who we are. But after that justification occurs, then our walk with God, it's called sanctification. It's this idea of progress, growing closer with him. And it has a picture of working together, a partnership with a living God. I've always loved... Um, in the contemporary English version, I believe. Um, Philippians 2, 12. I, I said C because it's the end of 12. In verse 13, it says, So work with fear and trembling to know you're saved. God is working in you to make you willing and able to obey Him. we got to work with fear and trembling, man. we, we got to take God seriously. I heard, I heard Rick Warren say years ago, he said, Our problem's twofold. We take ourselves too seriously and God not seriously enough. God is serious. And so we need to work with fear and trembling to serve Him. But guess what? The good news is God is working in you. And He's going to make you willing and able to obey Him. To live in victory. I love this quote from one commentator. He said, Too many Christians live on the right side of Easter but the wrong side of Pentecost. Too many Christians live on the right side of pardon, but on the wrong side of power. Too many Christians are out of Egypt, but they never make it to the promised land. They wander in the wilderness, continually wander in the desert. Man, that's not God's will for us. So, we've looked at position, progress. Let's look at proof for a few moments. Verse 14, it tells us, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. The idea is bow the knee. It's submit to the Spirit of God. Um, say, God, I surrender. Uh, guide me. Lead me. Enable me to follow. Um, you know, that's what we are called to do. And how do we know that we've done that? Some people have the picture. They say, well, that means the Holy Spirit's whispering to you. You are a child of God. But you know what I believe? I believe it's not that the Holy Spirit is a divine whisperer and He's always whispering. Well, that's really redneck sounding, whispering. Anyway, I'll try to do better. It means that there is an evidence that we know Jesus. What is that evidence, guys? I believe it is spiritual fruit. When you come to Galatians 5, uh, verses 19 through 22, it gives this horrible list of what it's like before Jesus, how we're chasing the world. And 
man, our lives get to be a mess and the people around us get to be a mess. Then it comes down to verse 22 and it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. He, he is doing that type of work in our lives by the Spirit of God. And, and he, he tells us, he says, those who walk in spirit, with the Spirit keep in step with the Spirit. And so that, that's really our calling is to keep in step with the Spirit, to be able to follow Him. It's not forced. I mean, if you've ever seen fruit on a tree, man, I love it when the fruit tree comes out. Hopefully it, you can eat it and it's not rotting or all that stuff. I hate that. Anyway, I won't get into that. But if you go out and you look at a tree, this is not what you'll see. You don't see the fruit on the tree going, or the tree going, Tree's not grunting. The tree's not forcing that fruit out. Pop! There's that fruit. Comes right out that bloom. There it is. That's not how it works. The bloom grows and the fruit grows and the fruit is developed. How's the fruit developed? It is connected to the tree. Jesus said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, man, you're with me. Whatever you ask, you're going to have it, Right? And, and so the power, the power of that, or take an orchestra. When a conductor gets up and, and the conductor leads, he has the right moves, the right beat, the right cadence, you know, all of that stuff. He gives direction to the orchestra. But if somebody is playing an instrument and the orchestra refuses to follow the conductor, that's a train wreck. Suddenly, it's not sweet music, it's noise. Imagine, for example, in the orchestra that a tuba player decides he's a star, so he breaks off into a tuba solo. Uh, to begin with, I don't know if I've ever heard a tuba solo. Probably not the best of ideas. So, are you watching the conductor, the Holy Spirit? Are you looking for his leadership? Are you playing what he commands, what he directs? Are you following his lead? That's, that's our call. And this brings us uh, to the last one here, which is promise. Look at in verse 17. If we are children, then we are heirs, co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, that we may also share in his glory. You drop down to verse 18. It says, For I consider that our present sufferings are not worth being compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. This world certainly has suffering. Um, man, I, I had the other day, I got to thinking, I don't know, the older I get, the bigger a sap I become. Uh, that movie I saw, I loved it, but uh, I hope Scott wasn't looking at me. I cried just about the whole movie. I might have started taking me a Kleenex box with me when I go to this stuff. But that's how I feel about you guys. I mean, I, I hear about this person's suffering, this person's struggle, and it was like about a week ago, man, what a day. 
I mean, there were just so many of you that were just facing junk. And, and man, I don't like it. But you know what? One day it will be no more. And he says, I love this. It says these sufferings that we're facing now, they are not worth being compared with the glory that will be ours in Jesus Christ. I just had to get that out. <laughs> that awesome, wonderful glory of Christ. Listen to this great quote. I love this. So what does it mean to be a co-heir with Christ? It's really an amazing turn of phrase that we are co-heirs with Jesus, meaning everything Jesus received by divine right, we have received by divine grace. Now, if that won't get you Baptocostal, you know, man, what we have in Him. It says in 2 Corinthians 4.17, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us a glory that far outweighs them all. Yes, we are facing sufferings here, but that is not the final word. Yes, there is persecution here, but that's not the end. We belong to the victor, to Christ Himself. So let me sum this up real quickly here. God saved you through Jesus Christ. If He saved you, you've trusted in Him, you've been born from above, you've been born again, you were adopted into His family. The blessed Holy Spirit will lead you, direct you, restrain you when you shouldn't go that way and do that thing. He, he will help us produce fruit in our lives or He will produce the fruit in our lives as we go in the partnership with Christ. And we are made co-heirs with Christ. We are the very children of God through the work of Christ and His glory awaits us. Can I have an amen on that? I like that. I used to love to ride bicycles, uh, bicycle, and uh, back in the old days, I used to come to church and try to ride, and I don't know if any of you guys have come up Long Crescent to the church, but right when you get to that State Street Methodist Church, and all of a sudden, well, I'm going up that hill, and I'm trying to find every gear I can, but you know what? I eventually had to get off the bicycle. Do you know why? Because if I didn't, I would start going downhill. That's why. Because I didn't have enough juice, even in the uh, best gear for me, to keep going up. God will give us what we need to walk with Him. Let's pray. God, uh, thank you for ministering to us today. In so many ways, Lord. <laughs> we are not much, but we are yours. And I pray that if there is someone here who has not trusted you, not made a commitment to you, not, not realized how much you love them, what a great day. The word says today is the day of salvation. What a great day it would be to just someone to come and say, man, I... I trusted Jesus. I'm adopted into His family. The Holy Spirit lives in me now. And I'm going to have the fruit of the Spirit. And glory awaits. Man, is that your testimony? Are you ready to come this morning? How awesome um, that would be. Lord, uh, maybe there's other decisions that need to be made. Maybe broken people just need to come to the altar and pray. Maybe there's something you just want to share. Maybe someone wants to join this body of believers today. Oh, Father, 
We just want you to move among us. So, Lord, be free to do that. In Christ's name, amen.